Good morning. Welcome to the Self-Evident Podcast. It is Friday, 10 a.m. You got your boy, Mike. You got easy. Yo, yo. But I feel a little off kilter. There we go. But we got no mass. No mass. No mass. No mass. However, we will be having him chime in in a minute or two. But I want to make sure to do something first. If you have not subscribed, liked, comment, done something with this podcast, please right now do it. Let's do a share drive. Go ahead and click share. Click it. Do it. You can do it. And let us know what you're thinking. I want your thoughts today, guys. I want your comments. I want your questions because we're going to be talking about something like the price of independence. And I wrote a blog post and that was kind of the inspiration of, hey, let's go deeper with this topic of what put yourself in their place because we are celebrating independence this month. We are changing the game. You wanted to celebrate pride last month. Well, we're turning around. We're celebrating independence this month because man, that independence gave you the ability to even say the word pride on the public streets. So there, but Hey guys, get yourself some merch, get yourself some merch. And plus, these sweatshirts, beautiful, amazing, wonderful. We've got a reduced rate going on. They are $50. So check them out. Go to the website. Go to the store. Get yourself a sweatshirt. And they are super comfortable. They're amazing. I, what drives me nuts is I live in Florida, so I can wear it for about two days in the year. Yeah. That's, that's what drives me nuts. And it's a little hot everywhere else right now, but like, if you like to be cold and wrap yourself in something... Turn the AC down to 70. There the we go. On. See? Yeah. Boom. Sit in your car, hammer the AC, and put on our sweatshirt. People won't think you're crazy. I, I wear them to the gym sometimes. See? There you go. To, to purposely. To, to sweat. Because he's dropping weight for his next pro MMA WWF You weren't supposed to fight. announce it yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, you'll see. Uh, never mind. All right. If you're in Texas, you're in the Round Rock area... Go out to the homeschool convention. You still have time to get out there. Get a pass to go see Massey speak. I am telling you, it is, it is, um, otherworldly. Is it could be a good. Here's yeah. the thing. Spiritual. So often people are like, "Oh, those that's this presenter is good. I like this presenter. They're good. Uh, they give lots of information." It's a whole different case with Massey. Massey doesn't just give you all the information that you never realized or never understood. He doesn't just connect the dots and fill in the gaps so you can see the whole thing. He gets you fired up to know, wait a second, I can have faith. I can have direction. I can drive for this. And that's one of the biggest things is having an understanding that you can actually do something and you can overcome. You can tear down strongholds. And, and he gives you the energy of like, well, he sure has faith. I think I can have faith too. So if you're in the Round Rock area, be sure to check him out. We will be on tour for the True Texas Project. Check out your local chapter. We've, we've got six events. He's got three. I've got three. I, Texas is my favorite tour. It's my favorite tour. I'm too. bummed I can't be at the homeschool convention. But I love the Texas tour. Dude, uh, Texas and Ohio, man. My people yeah we were talking about earlier how like the texas convention there is so so cool just being oh, there is yeah so cool. it's it's just so cool and ohio like 
people are invested, man. And I love it. So welcome. It's time. You ready? I'm ready. Ready for the news bits? Let's do it. Let's do it. Game on. Here we go. We got the timer. Three, two, one, go. Boom. Lazy left loses liberal language lovers. What is he talking about? All right. Guys, I'm entertaining myself. Okay. Geo Media, left-leaning digital publishing company, recently started publishing AI articles. The articles were error-filled and sounds like they're just trash. Uh, the company owns sites like Deadspin, Gizmodo, Jezebel, and Kotaku. All, I'm surprised, are even still around. Staffers push, push back, which is expected, but so are writers. So, for example, Deadspin published a bot-written article titled The 15 Most Valuable Professional Sports Franchises. It contained incorrect, outdated information since the AI system was not trained on data past 2021. <laughs> it, it did an estimated value of $4.6 billion, which the Yankees, it said the Yankees were $4.6 billion. They're actually worth $7.1 billion. Okay, so this whole conversation of AI, there's some catch-up to do. And people have decided that journalists are going to lose their jobs tomorrow. But there is, no matter what, at the end of the day, human element of decision-making and judgment, right? AI is built on algorithms that are taking in data and then piecing things together. Humans have an element of judgment that I don't know that a computer can actually come to. Yeah. Um, And I don't think the mass vast majority of journalist websites or, or opinions or that kind of thing will ever shift into the AI realm because there's just a human element. Now, factual stuff. Yeah. It'll probably hit that point. They'll get stuff cleaned out, but guess what? This proves AI can screw up. Computers can screw up. Yeah. And it, the only reason why I screwed up was because people didn't program it. I think right. people, people are expecting AI to evolve like in Terminator or in iRobot or whatever. It's not going to be like that for a really long time, if ever, just because at the end of the day, there has to be somebody at the helm. Right. Exactly. Somebody has to be writing the code. And to me, that's, that's great evidence of a creator, right? All right. Number two, DeSantis is literally the devil. (laughs) And I'm, I'm not an out-and-out, like, endorsed DeSantis guy, uh, but I find this language so interesting. I was actually sitting with a friend. We watched V for Vendetta last night. And, dude, it is it is creepy how aligned a lot of the, the points that V for Vendetta makes that we're in now. And if you don't know the story, the story is basically it's in a, a kind of dystopian England where a virus spread through and a party consolidated power on the backs of the virus and used it to censor and oppress the people. And it, one of the things they were talking about was like hateful rhetoric, you know? How often do we hear that? But DeSantis is now being considered not just Hitler, but super Hitler devil guy. And so... MSNBC guest Donnie Deutsch referred to a campaign video DeSantis recently did calling out Trump for his LGBTQ support. Deutsch said DeSantis is such a dark, dark, dark character. 
He said, I've talked a lot about it on the show, how at the end of the day, candidate Trump, even though you know we eviscerate him and there's a likability if you're a Trump guy about him. He's entertaining. He's a lounge act. He's this and that. This guy, talking about DeSantis, is just dark, the prince of darkness, and that is one of the darkest, most bizarre, twisted, deviant ads I've ever seen. Why? Because DeSantis' ad modeled itself after the whole Chad-based alpha male viral video <laughs> style like he's got like clips from peaky blinders and giga chad and you know oh like oh my god okay a little cringy but but that's what's threatening you donny deutsch that's what's threatening you is internet culture internet meme culture i'm gonna be completely honest i so i've met DeSantis before yeah. i shook his hand and he looks like and sounds like the villain from the movie Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's a little scary how... Maybe, how maybe he is the Prince of Darkness. I don't know. Maybe don't he know. is, you know? You know, but, maybe, maybe Donnie George has it right. Number three, the Supreme Court gets another one right. Man, they've, they've been nailing a couple, which is refreshing to see. So they recently ruled that a Christian web designer cannot be forced to use their skills, talents, and experience and efforts to write a message that they don't agree with which we've been making this point for a long time. I'm finally that I'm glad that the Supreme court is finally coming out with an opinion saying, nah, you, you can't force somebody just because it's a business transaction does not mean that somebody has to give up their conviction and their beliefs in order to complete the business transaction. That's force. That's force cap. That's not capitalism at that point. Yeah. Capitalism is free association between two people to make a business transaction. So instead, what people have been arguing is, no, you can't discriminate. You got to do whatever somebody tells you to do. That's not capitalism. That's not freedom. That is communism right there. That is people saying, I don't care what you believe or your conviction. You're going to do this for this person because they're offering you money. So Lori Smith of 303 Creative was targeted by the same Colorado Human Rights Commission that targeted Masterpiece Bakers. Remember that? It was what, like 10 years ago? Guy refused to bake a cake for a gay wedding, and he went all the way to the Supreme Court. Smith didn't want to do business in producing messaging that her Christian conviction kept her from feeling she could do. Colorado has an anti-discrimination law that forces businesses to do whatever the customer wants. Supreme Court ruled that it violated her First Amendment rights. Push these lines, people. What I mean by that is continue to defend these things because if you don't actively defend it, they will encroach on it. And then we'll start to buy that lie that, well, you're right, I have to serve anybody because they want it. I, I was having a conversation a long time ago with a friend. He's black. And we were having this discussion about, you know, discrimination and all that. I told him I'm, I'm against anti-discrimination laws. This is coming from a Christian conservative who knows there are businesses and, and organizations that would shut me out. And that's okay to me. And we were talking about this and I told him, look, I don't actually support anti-discrimination laws. And here's why I said, because now you're forcing somebody to do business with someone else that they don't want to. And that's a dangerous precedent to set. I said, let's say you have a business who doesn't want to serve black people. Okay. You know what I do? 
I open up a business next door that says, everybody welcome. I want all of you here. Who do you think will win in the market? Let the market decide it. Stop putting in these laws and regulations to tell people how to act in their business. If you are a progressive, radical, liberal business owner, go ahead. Don't serve me. Because guess what? I have seen it time and time again where your business fails. <laughs> there was a, uh, uh, I think it was in Australia, there was a coffee shop that was going to charge men more because patriarchy. How long do you think that place lasted? It was less than a year they were out of business. It's okay. Go ahead. Discriminate. People say, but what about the massive organizations, the credit card companies and the banks? If we would stop trying to interfere in that whole process and we would stop writing regulations to control every aspect of business, we could have a business come up that says, they're treating you like that. Guess what? I'm not going to. Cool. You have my business. Right. And that's why public square is so important because they are trying to build up conservative businesses who want to serve you, who want to give you a product or a service. I look on there, I, I scroll on there from time to time, and it, it bumps me out that there aren't any like businesses in the general area of like where we are. Yeah. Because I would absolutely go there. Like I see all these different coffee places and like, um, like in Ocala right. and down in Miami and Lake Worth. And like, I would love for those places to be like around here. And I've tried to convince some business owners I know to join, but like these businesses are, are really awesome. And I was emailing with Christina the other day and she had asked, are there any coffee shops in your area that you think would, would be good? It sounds like I have my answer because I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right. Well, maybe we need to start our coffee shop. Okay. Thank you for the news bits. Guys, don't forget. I'm going to push this again. Get yourself some merch. Go get a sweatshirt. They're $50. Stay at 65. You're getting 15 bucks off. Get the sweatshirt. Get the social loan. Social loan. Blah, 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 right? <laughs> because... It may not be available for you in the future. So if you want to hold on to a piece of memorabilia, a piece of classic, self-evident nature, now's your chance. I was looking through some of the older shirts that we still have that we don't sell anymore. Yeah. Those shirts are like relics, but they're yeah. super, super cool. And maybe we should put a, a package together of like, hey, now's your chance. Maybe. Right. All right. We're going to do a quick sponsorship. And then we're getting into the main. So Panthera Publishing, look, if you're a pastor, if you're a minister especially, and you've been thinking about publishing a book, Panthera Publishing is there for you. Look, they will walk you through the whole process. They're there for you, and it is much cheaper than going any other route. Under $1,000, you can get your book published. Maybe you've got a series of sermons you want to do. Maybe you've got some ideas of, like, I want to teach on something. They recently just published, like, a 530-page book about heaven. Oh. Yes. Um, Panthera Publishing is yours. Go check out their website, pantherapublishing.com, P-A-N-T-H-E-R-A, publishing.com. Check them out. See what they can do for you because, man, there's so many people who are like, I want to write a book, but, you know, it's a, a high level of entry or it costs a lot. 
no more excuses. I think my dad is actually um, he's working with Panther. Yeah, he is children's um, books. Yeah, and I actually I went over there to talk to them last night. Good for and you. He showed me some. Well, thank you. I love talking <laughs> to my parents. I love them very much. Hi, mom. Um, and he he's working on finishing his second book that he published. Yep. Um, or that he's publishing, and now he's soon going to be working on his third. He's man, he's got like fifty of them in the I, queue. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember when he just had like a manuscript of one, mm-hmm. and I found it like probably a couple of years ago, and I brought it to mind to him, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I've, I've already almost got it published. I'm just looking for a publisher." And then, and then Panthera, boom. So check them out. They can work anywhere across the nation, but they're here in Stewart, Florida. Give them a call, 772-497-6001, 772-497-6001. And attached to that, we now have on our website, my book, Become Forged, okay? This book is really a blueprint of how to develop yourself, develop your son. It's for fathers. It's for mothers. It's for men who are really boys inside. If you want to go the next level, I've tried to put together a blueprint of how would you do that? And it builds off the Trinity. You are a body, a mind, what we call the soul and a spirit. How do you develop those three? Also talks about the difference between men and women. Is there such a thing as good masculinity? All that stuff, right? Rites of passage. You want ideas on rites of passage? Get this book. Go to the selfevidenttruth.com. Go to theselfevidenttruth.com, go to the shop, go to resources. You'll find this book. Get it, all right? And be sure to leave a review. Let me know what you think. If you hate it, cool. Let me know. Anyways, we ready to get into this? We're ready. Game on. Here we go. (sighs) If I can find my page. There we go. All right. I'm going to discuss a little bit about the idea of sacrifice. Now, you watched... Massey and I talk about this idea of independence, the price, the cost. When we celebrate 4th of July, Independence Day, we don't tend to think about why we're celebrating. We think extended weekend or a day off of work. We think grilling, fireworks, that kind of thing. Cool. No problem with that. But we've really got to think about the context of why this is so important. And you need to put yourself in their shoes so you can understand what it actually took. Now, 247 years ago, a ragtag group of colonies got together and were like, you know what? We are telling the government we're done. That's amazing. And I don't think we put it enough into our hearts, what that actually took. Just a a little quote. Benjamin Rush was writing to John Adams after uh, the war was done, all of that. He's remembering that fateful day. He wrote in his letter to Adams, again, this is Benjamin Rush. Do you recollect your memorable speech upon the day on which the vote was taken, a.k.a. independence? Do you recollect the pensive and awful silence which pervaded the house when we were called up one after another to the table of the president of Congress to subscribe what was believed by many at that time to be our own death warrants? The silence and the gloom of the morning were interrupted, I well recollect, only for a moment by Colonel Harrison of Virginia, 
who said to Mr. Jerry at the table, I shall have a great advantage over you, Mr. Jerry, when we are all hung for what we are now doing. From the size and weight of my body, I shall die in a few minutes. But from the lightness of your body, you will dance in the air in an hour, for an hour or two before you are dead. This speech procured a transient smile, but it was soon succeeded by the solemnity with which the whole business was conducted. I want you to imagine yourself in a room where you've just voted for something that most likely will end in your death. And you have to sign a document. They didn't know they were going to win the war. They didn't know what was going to happen. They were facing off against a global empire as a ragtag group of a couple of colonies. You had what? 56 men in a room who said, I'm putting my name on this. Ben Franklin said, we must all hang together or assuredly we shall all hang separately. They understood if they were divided at all, they were all done for. But then there was another side of it. Patrick Henry said, there is no retreat but in submission and slavery, saying, look, if we don't do this, if we don't go this route, all we're looking at is submission and slavery. He said, our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable. And let it come. I repeat it, sir, let it come. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. In other words, to just keep it going. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war has actually begun. The next gale that surveys from the north will bring to our ears the clashing of resounding arms. They're coming. We might as well decide we're going to fight. He said, our brethren are already in the field. Why stand idly here? Is life so dark? or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? And what we always remember, right? Forbid it, almighty God, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. That rounds that out. The, to the whole context is we are already enslaved. And it's only going to get worse unless we sign this and we start this war. So I might as well fight for liberty or die trying. And John Adams saw what the result could be of that. We're going to sign this. We're going to fight. Here's what we could get. He said, I'm well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet through all the gloom, I can see the rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is worth more than the means. He wrote this to Abigail Adams on July 3rd, a day after the signing. Now what happened? Some of them were captured, some were tortured, and some died. 
Others had their homes ransacked and burned. Many of them died from their wounds. So five were captured, tortured, and died. Twelve had homes ransacked and burned. Two lost sons to the war. Nine died from wounds and difficulties from fighting in the war. And there's stories of those who their whole families died. Adams afterwards said, posterity, those who follow in next generations, you will never know how much it costs the present generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make good use of it. If you do not, I shall repent in heaven that I ever took half the pains to preserve it. And Jefferson said, my God, how little do my countrymen know Man, think about this today. My God, how little do my countrymen know what precious blessings they are in possession of and which no other people on earth enjoy. When we're talking about independence, there's a reason we're talking about this. Is we, we have such an amazing thing that's been handed to us and we are just tearing it apart. Now, there is evil motive involved in tearing it apart. And there are plenty of people who are so blind that they really believe that this is just the most horrible nation on the face of the earth. Has America caused a lot of tragedy? Yes. Why? Because we've forgotten liberty. I would argue that's really the biggest source of it is no matter what we look at, we have forgotten liberty. When we do our destruction campaigns across the world, are we actually defending liberty or are we trying to force ourselves on other nations? Are we trying to nation build? At home, are we trying to uphold liberty or are we trying to create laws and regulations that tell everybody how to live and when to live and what to do and how to do it and you can do this, but you can't do that? Why? Under the guise of safety. Fear. There is something about liberty that is a cause or a vision that can get men behind it. So one of the things that we have to think about in terms of price, of cost, is what are you willing to give up for the cause that you are defending? We don't think about that. And so then we don't value it. And if we don't value it, we don't care when it's gone. Except when the opposite is put into place, then all of a sudden we realize, man, what, did, what were we missing? How did we get here? When chains are, are clasped around your wrists, metaphorically, figuratively, real. You may think, boy, I had a good, here's a good way. Elijah, you ever been sick? And when you're sick, you're like, what did it feel like to feel good? <laughs> yeah. I, I just wish I could feel good again. Like the memory of, of being healthy yeah. is completely gone. Yes. And you, you're pining away for feeling good again. It's the same thing with liberty. And then you finally feel good, and it's like, glad it's, that's over. Yeah. And yeah. you keep 
doing what you were doing before that probably got you sick in the first place. Keep plowing forward. Here we go. I really believe that one of the things that, and I'm, I'm going to talk on Monday about, uh, this is something that's been coming up a lot. And so I figure I'm going to put it into a podcast. I've been talking a lot about Christian men. Um, and this just keeps popping up everywhere. And so what I'm going to do on Monday is five ways to overhaul the Christian man or the Christian men's body, right? Including men's ministries and that kind of thing. And one of the things that I've gotten there as a strategy is men have to have a cause and men don't have a cause right now. Um, there are those men who do, but I think a lot of men are like, what is my cause? What, is, what do I fight for? I've got energy in me to go for something, but what is my cause? If you look at the founders, what was their cause? What were they fighting for? What was driving them to say, I will put my family, my life, everything I own, my own nation on the line? for this because when you invest a cause into a person they go all out for it now there's good causes and they're bad causes of course we watch people do crazy stuff for causes we're like why would you do that but the question is can we instill in us again this cause of independence this cause of liberty can we look at the laws that are being passed around the nation and go this is too far. It is time to step up. Uh, when I preached the other night, I talked about laws in Washington and Oregon where they'll keep your kid if your kid runs away for gender-affirming care. They won't tell you where your kid is. They don't have to. So if you live in Kentucky and your kid runs away and makes it to Oregon for gender-affirming care, Oregon doesn't have to notify you that that's where they're at. So you might spend years wondering where your child is and Oregon's known the whole time. California, like we've covered on this program, has also passed laws that will make it possible for them to investigate you if you don't affirm your child's gender. So if your child's child is gender confused and you don't affirm that, they can investigate you and possibly take away your child because that's tantamount to child abuse in their minds. Michigan, the House of Representatives, has just passed a bill that would basically make it a felony if you terrorize or threaten somebody. But guess what's included in that? Gender identity, sexual expression, sexuality. So if you misgender somebody a couple of times, they could consider that threatening. You could get a felony, up to five years in prison plus a $10,000 fine. This is why you need your cause. You've got to find that cause to be able to step out and go, I won't put up with this anymore. What do I do? And when you're in that what do I do stage, it's time to find that lane or that route. Maybe it's as simple as showing up for a protest. I think there's more to it than that. But I think a lot about these guys. Like, How did you get this group of people together and they decided no more, we're done. And they actually started a nation. And that's something that should encourage you because we often look at it, we go, it's overwhelming, I can't do this. They were facing down the barrel of the biggest global empire on the face of the earth. 
And what was going on was, especially in Boston, the empire was crushing them. And they'd say, stop, stop doing that. And the king would put the boot a little bit tighter. Stop, please stop. Don't do this. We're, we're protesting. We're boycotting. Boston Tea Party. And the crown kept pushing it. And so finally, it got bad enough to where the people got together and said, we are not going to put up with this anymore. We'd rather die than continue on this pathway downwards. And so they did, and they earned it. And I am telling you, God was there the whole time. You cannot argue against God's miraculous intervention on the founding of this nation. We've got a whole presentation on it of the miracles that happened in order to instill America as a nation. Now, I don't look at it with blind eyes and say, so therefore, America's perfect, all of that. But man, there was something special in the founding of this nation. And the independence, the liberty of this nation was a bedrock precept. John Adams wrote to H. Niles in 1818, but what do we mean by the American Revolution? Do we mean the American War? The revolution was effected before the war commenced. The revolution was in the minds and hearts of the people. A change in their religious sentiments of their duties and obligations. This radical change in the principles, opinions, sentiments, and affections of the people was the real American Revolution. I want you to think about that. The revolution happened before the war did. It changed the hearts and minds, and the pulpits were a massive cornerstone of that. If you have any question about that, go to our, our previous podcast and go to Massey's 4th of July one. Amazing. Covers the pop, the pop, pop, the pulpit's effect on the culture. Jem shares, I saw a rant shared where a, a liberal was literally stating that parents only spend a small portion of their lives with their kids, like 18 years of raising a child. Shouldn't give you the right to tell that little person what to do or believe or how to behave. But isn't it interesting? That's so good, Jim. Thank you. Isn't it so interesting? But the schools can tell them how to behave. The schools can tell them what to think. The schools can tell them where to go or what to do, how to continue their life. And isn't it interesting that we tell them they can't have sex before they're 16 or 18, wherever your laws are, but they can change their sex. They can determine for the rest of their life, their gender. Interesting, isn't it? They're trying to tell you that you don't own your children, that you aren't in charge of your children. They are. Fight it. Anyways. 1825, Thomas Jefferson wrote to Henry Lee accounting the reason for the Declaration of Independence. When forced, therefore, to resort to arms for redress, an appeal, an appeal. We, we gave out an appeal to the tribunal of the world. We wrote this for the rest of the world. Was deemed proper for our justification. This was the object of the Declaration of Independence. We're writing a breakup letter to the king. It's going to be public. We're going to let the world know what's going on. Not to find out new principles or new arguments never before thought of. Not merely to say things which had never been said before. Look, we're not just trying to do something new and so step away. But to place before mankind the common sense of the subject. We're going to, the world is going to be our court and our judge. They're going to see we're talking common sense here. 
in terms so plain and firm as to command their assent, we're going to mic drop on these guys, and to justify ourselves in the independent stand we are compelled to take. Neither aiming at originality of principle or sentiment, nor yet copied from any particular and previous writing, it was intended to be an expression of the American mind. We're trying to get the American spirit through in this. It's the philosophy of America. And to give to that expression the proper tone and spirit called for by the occasion. All its authority rests then on the harmonizing sentiments of the day, whether expressed in conversation, in letters, printed essays, or in the elementary books of public right, as Aristotle, Cicero, Locke, Sidney, etc. In other words, we're going to show you with the Declaration of Independence what the American spirit philosophy mindset is. So we can look to that and go, this is supposed to be America. We can point back to it and say, we've gotten off the pathway. I think oftentimes what happens is we forget the cause and it becomes trivial to us. So we wave our flag, we wear our shirts, we grill out, we drink our beer, but we really forget what it actually took to stand up for this cause. I want you to think about what would you actually be willing to die for? What cause would you actually be willing to stand up and stand out in front for? And I, I want you to think about your kids, your family, your friends, your job, your house, your, your territory, your community. What are you willing to defend? If we're not willing to defend what we have, we don't deserve it. I'll say that again. If we're not willing to defend what we have, we don't deserve to have it. If we're only the way that if we're only the way we are because we live in this country, simply because we live here, we don't deserve it. No. You you won, won the genetic lottery. Congratulations. That's not enough to me. I'm American, born in America. Thank you, Lord. Now, what I will say is I am an American who believes in individual sovereignty, in liberty, the philosophies laid down by my founding fathers, my forefathers, explicitly described in the Declaration of Independence. And so I measure my government, my nation, I measure those around me by that. And that's my cause. That's what I'll defend. And the beauty of it is when I defend liberty and independence, I'm actually defending the people who are against me. I don't want to control you. The only thing I want to control is to hem in your authoritarianism. Don't tell me what to do, right? Don't tell me how to act. That's between me and my God. But I do not want to infringe on your rights, and I expect that you will not infringe on mine. And so I want us to, this Independence Month, July, I want us to think about what is our cause and what would it have been like to be in that room knowing you're signing a paper that 
if you fail, which there's a 99% chance you're going to, if you fail, you're dead. Would you sign it? Would you have the guts and the courage to stand up for that cause, that vision, that ideal? Knowing you may never benefit from it. There's a chance for you to get the cause, the ideal. And I love those words, give me liberty or give me death. It's something you can sink your teeth into. And I want you guys to sink your teeth into it. I know this turned into kind of a, a preaching soapbox moment. But man, if we don't get this right, we'll never understand independence. We won't have the flame or the, the fire to stand for it and defend it. Because it'll be taken for granted and expected. We so often say we live in the freest nation in, in the world. But do we anymore? When does that line get crossed to where we don't? What are the standards on whether that's true or not? Have we really thought about that? And so I'm going to round this out, guys. I... I'm so thankful for all of you, and I love all of you, and I, I want all of you to prosper and be blessed and to have a peaceful land. And we can do it. I think a lot about Joshua and Caleb. They go into enemy territory. They go across in the land of Canaan, and they see it all, and they, there's giants in the land. But they come back. We, this is ours. God gave it to us. Let's go. Come on. Where are you guys going? At first, there are very few voices when the cost is great. When the cost is nothing, everybody jumps on board. Be one of the few voices. Have faith in what the Lord can do. Have faith in the fact that he can and will tear down strongholds. Have faith in the fact that he sits in the heavens and laughs at the plans of men. It looks dark, cool. That means God is going to make himself visible. Guys, join. I don't just mean join our torchbearers or join our club or share. I mean join in the movement. The righteous movement of God is ours, and we want to see God brought forth. We want to be a righteous people of God. We want our nation to be a righteous nation. We want God to be honored in this land. And they will hate you for it. And that's fine. Because God sits in the heavens and laughs at the plans of men. So I'm going to end it there. I hope you got something out of this. I hope those quotes helped. I hope that you're, you're learning something was self-evident. Don't forget to check out our tour dates. Check out our website. Get yourself some merch. And help us bring this message to the rest of the nation. Okay. So until Monday, you guys have a great weekend. I love all of you. Cannot wait to see you. If you see us in person, come shake hands, say hi, tell us how you're doing. All right. We'll probably be hyped up on four cups of coffee. Yes. You know, five yeah. hours of sleep. Yep. Knowing us. <clears throat> well, well, coffee, lack of sleep. That's how this ministry runs. Yep. All coffee right. Coffee in Christ. It's all we need until Monday. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. Peace. Take care.